Hey ladies, welcome to WTF, Women Talking Frankly, a running conversation with your hosts, Kyle and Candace. And you, about issues facing women, such as health, hormones, our looks, our libido, life, and anything in between. We promise to dig deep and get into it each episode. Welcome. We're so glad you joined us today. Hi, ladies. We're back in the studio again with Dan. Uh, It's been a long time because of the pandemic. We've had to do our recording at home, so hopefully you'll notice the sound difference. And we're joined today by someone near and dear to my heart because we're going to talk about, we're delving into the world of exercise, and we're calling it Taking a Deep Dive with a Fitness Expert. It's going to be frank talk about the best ways to get and stay fit throughout the various phases and challenges of your life. As, as our audience already knows, Candace and I tend to really like to tackle the hard questions facing women and in our personal lives and, and the things we hear about in, at work every day. So far, we have devoted three episodes to diet and weight, which are definitely two of the top, top topics we hear about every day. Diet is where it all begins. The old Hippocrates who said, you are what you eat is as true now as it was then. But the other piece of the puzzle facing all of us is exercise. How much, what kind, when, how long, how often, should we mix it up? What's better? Cardio, strength, flexibility, balance training. Just like diets, there are a myriad of exercise dogmas and theories, and it just can get so muddled and confusing to sort through. We here at WTF have a lot of questions, and we know so many of you do as well. Candace and I are both active women and have been the majority of our lives, but we also understand the challenges and the obstacles we all encounter from time to time that can keep us from attaining our fitness goals. So I've invited the lovely Charlie Nesbitt to join us in the studio today, and I wanted to say a couple of things about today. We are actually back in the official recording studio. We're six feet apart from one another as we're still in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. And Candace was going to be here today, but she has made a decision not to come. She has some respiratory issues, some allergies, and felt that she didn't want to expose us to her, her sneezes. So we so appreciate her staying at home, but we miss her. And I'm going to include some of the questions that she's also um, given us today. So she's trying to be part of the solution. And we're all trying to be part of the solution by being six feet apart and maintaining our social distance so we can somehow get back to a new semblance of normal. So... Um, I just wanted to to introduce Charlie. I met her probably 20 years ago. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and and it was a a, uh, club back in the day that was called Sports Nation, then became Club Sports, and I was a member there probably 20 years. It's now known as the Bay Club. Uh, Charlie was teaching a class called Body Pump, which which was a weightlifting class. And this class was my intro into group fitness classes. I had always poo-pooed fitness classes. I had been a runner, a swimmer, a, a, a walker for many years. But one day my son mentioned to me when I was waving my arms, he said, Mom, your arms are still waving. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, after I had stopped, stopped waving my hand, and I realized I was getting the old lady arms, and that was in my late 40s. So I thought i got to do something about that. So I started going to the fitness classes, and Shirley's one of those people who is beautiful on the inside and out, and she made me feel so welcome in the classes. I didn't feel embarrassed. I did feel after I did a few classes that I couldn't even lift my arms. I couldn't <laughs> even blow dry my hair because my arms were so sore <laughs> that I had never done that kind of workout before. So it was like uh, it was like a life-changing experience for me to start doing those fitness classes. And I started doing different things. And so um, Shirley's been with the club sports and now Bay Club for so long. And she's now one of their trainers and she does exercise video training. So I wanted to thank her for joining us here today. I'm so happy to be here. And I wanted her to share her story about how she became so passionate about fitness and her own journey through exercise, because I know you have quite a history as as an exerciser. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exercise was something that was sort of serendipitous for me. I I was a college gymnast, and um, when I I was – in college, beginning my career as a collegiate gymnast, I had an eating disorder. I became anorexic as a result of depression. I was um, I was a young student. I graduated early from high school, and I was feeling a lot of pressures and type A, type a kind of kid. Mm-hmm. And so how that manifested was depression, and how that manifested was I just stopped eating. And um, at some point in my first semester, I decided I'm just so unhappy. And so I left gymnastics and transferred to my home college. 
And to be honest, I didn't know what to do with myself. I found myself in this sort of weird space where from a from a food standpoint, I was relearning, you know, what it felt like to be full and relearning, you know, proper eating habits because I kind of got myself out of whack with the anorexia and the depression. And then from a movement standpoint, I had never done anything after school except gone to my sport. So here I was in college and I had this kind of vacuum. I mean, it's funny because when I was a young mom, it became the bewitching hour, which is what do you do between 3 p.m. and 8 p.m.? So Yeah, because you've always been in sports. Always, right? School, finish homework, go to sport, go to gymnastics. And so I just went into our fitness facility at my college and did an aerobics class. As you can imagine, a collegiate gymnast hopping into a high-impact aerobics class was kind of eye-catching. And so the <laughs> instructor said, literally after class, after my first class said, can we talk about you becoming an instructor? Oh, that's amazing. Super serendipitous. Like I really was just like, what am I going to do with myself? So that was just how it happened. I fell into fitness. Um, I loved it. I mean, it kind of scratched a similar itch because I was moving my body. I was jumping around. Um, I had an activity after school every day. And so that became my vocation for the most part. Um, you know, I went in on and had a different type of profession in, in genetics, but my side hustle was always fitness. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So... That was, you know, that's when it started was at the age of 18, really. And um, and then I would say that, you know, it's always been kind of who I am is to always be a mover. I get, I'm one of those people that if I have a couple of days off, I need to do something. I kind of get into a slump. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I'm addicted to exercise, but I am addicted to movement mm-hmm. or some activity. Um, and then as far as like the highs and lows I've had in my experience or in my fitness journey, so to speak, um, if we fast forward to when I was pregnant, um, I had pretty easy pregnancies. I was able to teach the whole time and I watched, you know, my doctors knew what I did for a living and I was able to continue my training throughout my pregnancies and even after my due dates because my, both my babies were late. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I got that. Um, and then, um, but I honored after I had both of my pregnancies, I honored the six weeks of time off. I took complete time off. I put a bubble around the house. I didn't, I might've taken some walks, but I didn't do much because I just really wanted to cherish that time. And so when I returned to teaching or returned to fitness, um, my body was different. Things Mm -hmm. were softer. My center of balance was off. I had lost a lot of muscle and I hadn't really, you know, taxed myself besides getting up in the middle of the night and feeding babies. So that was a big kind of eye-opener. It made me really empathetic to the say, new must, person. Yes, because you, yeah. if you've always been fit, you really can't understand what it's like not to be fit. You can't. Same thing with with my pregnancy weight. I didn't gain a lot of weight, but to have weight gain and to feel your body feel different mm-hmm. as you have more weight to carry, mm-hmm. it was also, I, I again, I just learned to be a lot more sympathetic and empathetic for those changes. So, yeah, so after having the kids... Um, I gradually, slowly worked my way back. But I, again, I appreciate the idea of what does it feel like to kind of not really start from zero, but start in a different place than I'd left mm-hmm. off. Um, and then probably five to 10 years later was when I landed in your professional office instead of you coming to my office at the gym. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah was a, that was a big moment. I can quote the, those, those moments with you. I remember I was in my late 30s. And I, I went into your office and I talked about feeling foggy and feeling just off. Um, I, I remember saying to you at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I just wanted to hibernate. I felt cold. I felt shut down. I, didn't, I just wanted to finish my day. I remember telling you, like you asked about my energy, and I remember saying I could fake it like this for the rest of my life, but I feel like there's like a lack of clarity and a lack of energy and maybe it's just because I've got young kids. What is it? And I remember you kind of nodded and looked at me and then we did some tests. And I remember I saw you at the gym the day that I was supposed to see you in your office with the results. And you like winked at me and said, I'll see you this afternoon. I remember thinking, oh, please, oh, please let there be something there. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Right? Yes. And then I walked in and you said, you had the results in your on, on the desk and you said, well, no wonder you're so tired. And I almost burst into tears because I just felt so validated. Like, okay, this is real. And this is a woman who's fit 
ladies. I, want, I just want you to know, you look at her, you would never guess. And I think that's a, I, so, I really appreciate you sharing that story because I think so often in our lives as women, we're so hard on ourselves and we see other women who look like role models and are role models and they are suffering on the inside and we don't even know it. And like you were suffering, probably nobody at the gym knew you were suffering. Nope. You probably didn't share it with your husband or your kids nope. and you just powered on. Yep. So I just want to remind people that if you're feeling, even as we're talking right now in the studio 10, you're listening to this podcast, if you're feeling that isolation and that and that wonder of what's changed in my body, especially if you've recently had children or a major life event change, get yourself to a provider that knows how to test. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, well, you know, I've sent so many friends your way. I can just see it coming. Like they'll talk about some of their symptoms. It's like, this doesn't come from nowhere. You know what I mean? And this... You know, this this isn't just aging or what have you. It's not aging. It's all good for you. Yeah. And so you, I mean, mm. again, Charlie, you have been an amazing so woman in terms of her fitness level. If you watch her, she's always, and you've even shared with me, and I, oh, mm. I feel like I've gained a couple of pounds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, as a fit woman, have had children now. Our bodies change. Yeah. Don't yeah. you think? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I feel like I'm always a few years behind when the expected time is. Like when they say, well, in your 40s, you lose muscle. It's like, not really. And I'm a few months away from 50. And now I'm like, actually, yeah, really, a little bit. It's harder to, oh, to yeah. keep that on. And yeah, things have shifted. And, you know, there's small incremental changes. But yeah, there are changes. And I, there's that balance of, okay, I'm going to accept this because I'm doing all the right things and my body's still serving me. Right. If it's not serving me, then I'm going to go and ask for some help. I'm going to come see you again and have another conversation and find out like why am I extra sore, extra fatigued or right. why is this weight gain so dramatic? But those little subtle changes, they don't they don't lay me out anymore. You know, like I'm kind of noticing especially every summer when you put clothes on most of the time the clothes I wear I've had forever, but there's a couple of things that are kind of on the fence, like, this may be my last summer, you know? Things are just <laughs> shifting a little bit. so true. Can she get away with wearing a bikini again? Right. Maybe. Exactly. You know, it's one exactly. of those things. And I think the thing I see, and it's interesting, there's there's many types of women on this planet, obviously, but there's many who were athletes when they were younger. Mm. And like you never got away from it, but there's a lot of women who were athletic when they were younger. And they tell me they weighed like 130 to 150 mm-hmm. in high school and they were highly competitive and then they stopped everything and they quickly gained weight. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's such a hard journey to get back there. I'm sure you hear these stories all oh, the time. yeah. Right? It's so, it's so daunting. I mean, and, you know, if there's something that if – if your life changes, change a job, kids, something like that, um, it, the, the change can be abrupt and the weight gain can be somewhat abrupt. I know. You know, relatively speaking. And so you're – they're kind of trying to re-identify, like, is this, is this the new me or do I need to get back to my old athletic self? And so we have these conversations of, like, um, you know, the first thing is I always come, a place, come from a place of what did you enjoy – I do too. Right? Do what too. brought you joy then? And exactly. then how can you bring that back to now? Mm-hmm. Um, there is a grieving process. I mean, people, if anybody ever heard I was ever a gymnast, they say, what can you do now? Like, not much, to be honest <laughs> with you. There are some sports that are not great lifelong sports. Right. So it's like if you were... You know, if you were a diver, there's a good chance you can't do that gainer anymore. Or a ballerina. Or a ballerina, right, to there's that such level. such high level of training. Yes. I agree. But I do think there's some characteristics of your sport that that you can apply to the here and now. Yeah. And if you remember, it's kind of like in relationships, like how did you fall in love with it in the first place? How did you lo- fall in love with that person in the first place? What, what brought you joy? Was it the competitiveness? Was it the companionship? Was it... Was it, you know, um, controlling your body? Was it mm-hmm. feeling resistance and weight against your body? Um, for me, it was always jumping. I liked impact and jumping and to go to aerobics or to do anything that jumps now brings me a great deal of joy. So I always try to find out, like, what, what was it that brought you joy? And then how can you bring that part back? Not the stuff that you didn't like, not mm-hmm. the 5 a.m., you know, two-a-day swim practices or what have you. But if you like being in the pool... Go back to the pool. I mean, yeah. it's I, home. I, I'm, I'm the same way. When people come into me and they tell me they don't like to exercise, I'm always like, well, as a child, if they tell me they did nothing, then, then we have to kind of build from there. Yeah. But most people will find that they liked playing, like you said, jump rope or playing yeah. hide-and-go-seek or riding yep. their bike or swimming. And I look at it like as an adult um, exerciser now, I, I discovered tennis about maybe eight to ten years ago. And what I love about it is that I'm playing. I'm actually playing and I'm having fun as an adult. And I haven't had that chance to really play a sport 
or play something that's so fun and yeah. just completely be free of responsibility. Yep. And I think if people can find that joy again, yep. exercise is fun. When people say, oh, I have to exercise. It's, no, I'm like you, Charlie. I, I'm a mover. Yeah. I love movement and yeah. I love being, my, my body feels like it needs to be active. Right. If it's not active, like you said, if you, for a few days, I get very pent up. Yeah. I don't yeah. like it. Yeah. And, and the, the part that you said about like the fun, like when did we get so serious I know. about exercise? I know. Honestly, like it, I, I always tell people if you find, you know, it's like what they say about work, you do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. If you find what brings you joy, whether it's dancing or pickleball or, you know, doing, um, cannonballs in the pool, yeah. if you can find the joy and the fun in it, you're going to stick with it. Exactly. If it's a drudgery, I mean, I can tell you that there are a lot of training regimens that I probably could do that would give me better aesthetic results and may make me stronger or fitter or what have you. But if I'm going to have to drag myself there, I'm going to dread it every time. And by association, I'm going to hate exercise. Yeah. But if you can look forward to it, by association, you're going to enjoy it. And I think... You know, maybe maybe you're looking for some balance. So my theory would be do 80% of what you love to do and then 20% of what you kind of should do to balance it out. That's a great philosophy. It's kind of like food. Yeah. 80% of the time you eat perfectly and 20% have fun. It's, yeah. like, it's sort of like the opposite yeah. ratio there. But totally. it's kind of Yeah, fun. yeah. It's totally – and it'll be you sustainable. You can't be perfect. Right. So let's talk about, you know, you and I are both motivated – and so exercise comes pretty easy to us most phases of our lives. Yes. There's obviously a phase of our lives where we've like we've put on the back burner. But when we when you think about the questions that people have and people always ask us, and I'm sure you hear these as well, women have a lot of constraints on them. They you know, have work, they have at home work, they have outside work, they might be caring for loved ones. How much time do you as an exercise person or expert mm-hmm. recommend for exercise per day, mm-hmm. per week, for basic health? Mm-hmm. And versus optimal fitness. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good question. So I'll start with the party line, which is general recommendations are 150 minutes a week of moderate activity, um, of cardiovascular, moderate moderate cardiovascular activity. And describe that. Moderate would be, so vigorous would be short of breath, can't form a sentence. Moderate, you might be breathing heavy. Um, you perspire. Um, you if can you were, talk. You can talk, but yeah, yeah. Maybe not full easy sentences, but you can get phrases out. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were, to, we have something called the rate of perceived exertion, the RPE scale on a scale of one to 10. It would sit around a a six. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. You're not, um, you're mildly uncomfortable. You feel that you're exerting a little bit, but you're not, um, it's not vigorous. You're not out of breath. And most importantly, you don't feel fear. Like, can I keep doing this? Oh, that's a great right? analogy. There's a, a lot great, of, a great, yeah. A great trigger. Right. Yep. And so, and if not, if 150 minutes spread out over maybe five days of moderate activity feels like a lot, which is 30 minutes on five separate days, then the other alternative is cut that time in half to 75 minutes and then go more vigorous Mm. when it comes to cardiovascular. So that's the party line. How do I truly feel? I truly feel that most people are capable of moving most days of the week. And I think 30 minutes is the sweet spot for getting to that state where you feel like you've had some sort of an escape. It doesn't feel like you're squeezing it in between emptying the dishwasher and, you know, helping out your your kids or mowing the lawn or something like that, you know, mowing the lawn is movement. Um, but I think 30 minutes is, we would say there's a low barrier for entry. You can squeeze in 30 minutes. Yeah, um, so, so we just, I, I, yep. as, as you're saying that, and I'm thinking to myself, for me, 30 minutes is when I start to get started. So, yes. And then that's why I'm, so it really is the low bar, but it's it's sort of the basic minimum. Yes. Basic minimum. Yes. So for getting into it or getting back into it, I would say 30 minutes. Um, for those of us who love the, the feeling and the, the endorphins and the dopamine Mm -hmm. responses and love to perspire and love to jump around and love the sweating, an hour feels great. Hour Mm -hmm. and a half, maybe even better. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a good long session, but if you're Getting back into it or starting all those signals, sweating, um, feeling maybe tight in your clothes, feeling overheated, um, breathing heavy. For the average, for, for the new participant or the new exerciser, those are all signals that you feel when you're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so they haven't associated breathing heavy with with a positive. They think, oh, I'm breathing heavy. I must be doing something wrong. So to kind of 
get to a moderate level for 30 minutes, I think is a reasonable starting point. Yeah, it sounds like it is. For, you know, for the basic expectations. Um, and then along with that, of course, we need some strength training. So yeah. a couple of days of strength training for about that same amount of time. Um, so, yes, that's my next question. Yeah. So what, like when you think about percentage, mm-hmm. um, cardio, I, I want to ask you the definition yeah. of cardio, what yep. the various target rates are, how long you want to stay in that range, because you have all those, you see those green zones, yellow zone, red zones yeah. at the gym. Um, and what percentage should we, we be spending a week of that time slot on cardio versus strengthening versus flexibility, balance? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to think about. Yeah, it, there is. And so, you know, when we think in terms of fitness, we think in terms of cardiovascular strength, muscular strength, flexibility. Those are the kind of the big buckets. Okay. When we think in terms of what I would consider health and wellness, it's that plus the absence of disease or injury and the absence of ailment. So I'm going to kind of talk in circles for a second, but it, we could say optimal fitness would be people who train hour, two hours a day, seven days a week. But are they well and healthy? They probably are dealing with a lot of things that that we may consider to be indicators of, of ill health, stress fractures, mm-hmm. um, dehydration, um, muscle strains and pulls, things like that. Because so, they're o- almost overdoing it. Overdoing it, but maybe they're motivated by performance. So sure. those are like, you could say those are calculated risks. But we're talk- those are the performers. Mm-hmm. Those are people who are looking at high levels of fitness to achieve performance goals or performance gains. And they know what, what the risks they're, they're accepting. And are those people mm-hmm. often doing like different routines each day, so they're not doing the same thing? So seven days a week, if they're working out, they're not doing like strength every day. They might be doing mixing it up. They're probably mixing it up, yeah, because in order to have, you know, if you think in terms of a competitive runner, they need to have a certain degree of, of muscle strength so they can have a strong kick. Yes. Um, as well as cardiovascular strength. Right. So back to your question, like, okay, so how much, how often, how intense? Um Generally speaking, if we took look at the two buckets of cardiovascular strength and mus- muscular strength, um, and take those 150 minutes, let's say, okay, the intensity level would be again, it's going to sound familiar, but at about 60 to 70 percent of your maximum heart rate reserve, or 60 to 70 percent intensity. Same sensations as far as like I'm breathing a little bit hard, um, I'm pushing myself, I'm sweating, I'm working, I'm exerting myself, but I'm not feeling panicked or fear- fearful. Okay. And so cardiovascular um, training is considered any activity that uses major muscle groups, that's rhythmic, that's relatively constant or sustained, and um, is at that level of intensity. That's where you start to get the cardiovascular benefits. Okay. So to say that you're going for an easy stroll to the corner to get a cup of coffee would not be cardiovascular training. So if you so if you're a walker like I know for myself, Mm -hmm. I was used to be a runner, now I walk and I used to walk I was doing a race walking pace like 11, 12 minutes. Now I don't do that. I do maybe more like a 15, 17 minute. And I don't know if my heart rate's getting above maybe 120. Is that but my resting heart rate's like 60. Is that considered to be a cardiac Activity for me. Right. So if you took 220 minus your age, okay, quick math here. So that would be 140. 140. So 220 minus your age would be considered. No, 160. 160. 160. Well, so 160 is your max. Right. And so if you were saying that you're 60% or 70% of your max of 160, you're probably about where you should be. Okay, good. And again, those numbers vary massively. People have different levels of maximum heart rate and their resting sure. heart rates. So there can be a, a lot of variability. That's just kind of like a ballpark. I like the idea of RPE because you can always adapt. You don't have to stick your fingers against your neck and measure your pulse or your heart rate and figure out what's my zone that I'm in. Ask yourself, and you'll start to feel familiar with it. The more you use the RPE scale, you're like, you know, a seven to an eight is a big difference. If you're talking about pain, seven to an eight, eight to a nine is a huge difference. So RPE, remind me that rate of perceived exertion. So basically one is like sleeping. Yep. 10 is like, I can't even, I'm I'm climbing a mountain. That's right. Okay. Uh, 10 is, I would say you don't get to 10. Yeah. Nobody gets to (laughs) 10. We don't push, maybe a couple, you know, some pro athletes, but most of the time we're at nine, you know, there's always a little bit room for the ceiling, but yeah. So six to seven is pretty high up there. It's pretty high up there. So that would be considered moderate on the verge of vigorous activity. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And I think, I think walking is a, a great activity. Number one, it's always available. Right. Um, number two, you actually do work. There are some strength components to it. And you become a better walker, one, by walk more, and two, by some of the strength elements that you can incorporate to improve your walking. Hmm. 
The other thing I think is really important about walking, especially for people as we age, is it, when we age, we lose some of our our balance. Mm-hmm. Um, our vision isn't as, as good as it used to be. Our hearing isn't as great. Our vestibular system, so our sense of you know our inner um, balance network, mm-hmm. um, our peripheral nervous system, so like our feet in our hands for if you have arthritis, if you have swelling in the joints, it doesn't work as well as it does. You don't get the the feedback from those remote Mm -hmm. systems. And so like a lot of things, when you stop walking as you age and your vision starts to get worse and your vestibular, your balance gets worse, and then you maybe, you know, you don't have the the sense in your feet, then you're not as comfortable walking because you're not as sure of yourself. Sure. And people fall. People fall. And, and, You'll see older people shuffle, and the reason they shuffle, it could be a combination of arthritis, but it also has a lot to do with balance. When you lift your foot, and depending on how you walk, for some people when they walk, if they take a big stride, if they go on an uneven surface, there is a, a split second in time where you're in free fall, sure. where both feet are off the ground. And so people shuffle because they're afraid to leave the ground because they don't trust their ability to land. Um, so if you don't use it, you lose it. You don't use it, you lose it. And yeah. yeah, walking. And walking, I mean, for me, I mean, we've all you know, read lots about it, but yeah. it's social. Oh, totally. And I mean, like for me, I love, with, I walk with my dog, I listen to podcasts, I listen yeah. to the radio, I catch up on stuff, so yeah. I don't listen to anything. But it's nice because you can, you can multitask with yeah. walking, and, and it can, like, well, especially now. Oh, during the oh pandemic. I mean, how many people? How so many, many people. How many jokes have you heard about the dog that looks up and says, I cannot go for a 12th walk today. I can't. And they hide under the bed. I mean, we are just becoming, I mean, walking is becoming the new thing. Yeah. It, and you are, I've, I've found so many new routes. I take a lot of calls. I've, I've got some AirPods. Yeah. And I take a lot of calls on my oh, on, yeah. my, on my walks. It's so great because you'll watch, walk around. What I used to think was weird seeing people talk to themselves. I know. <laughs> now it's all normal. We're all out there talking to themselves, talking to ourselves, having phone conversations. Or the funny thing is when somebody calls you and you're definitely walking up a hill and you're going, <gasps> yeah, I'm totally. really sorry. <sighs> yeah. You know, yeah. But, but let, check it out. So you're having a conversation, you're breathing heavy and you're on a hill. I know. So all those uneven surfaces, I, I mean, if you look at it kind of from a, from a, from a close lens, uneven surfaces are great. If you can walk on trails, if you can go up and down yeah. hills, you get forces coming at you from different directions. It's functional. It's functional. Yep. Yeah. Your body responds. Your small muscles are adjusting and stabilizing. Um, there's a strength component. You, if, if you don't walk well, so there are some diseases where, where you lose some muscle control and muscle function in your in your um uh, distal muscles, mm-hmm. so you, your foot slaps and strikes. Mm-hmm. But if you can walk well, you actually, you know, your ankle is dorsiflexing and plantar flexing. You've got lots of range of motion in your ankle. I'm gesturing with my hand. Mm-hmm. You're using your calf a lot. You're controlling your load. Um, and that is the one thing. When you stop walking, you stop respirating. You're more prone to disease. Um, so if you don't walk well, you're prone to injury or falling. Yeah. And falling, I mean... It's the worst. It's the worst. Falling yeah. as we get older. And I think, you know, it's really important just a shout out. Wear really good shoes. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, if you wear crappy shoes when you're walking, you're going to get all kinds of foot problems. You For really sure. want to get If you're going to spend, that's where you're going to, you know, right now, not, most of us are not spending a whole lot of money on travel or going right. out. Yep. Spend the money on a good pair of running shoes yep. to walk in or whatever yep. you need. Yep. Like I, I know for myself, I went hiking with my friend up in, up in eastern Washington recently. I don't have a pair of hiking shoes, but I really don't need them in Oregon because mm-hmm. our trails are so grippy. Yep. But on a high desert, they're not. And I slipped and I was like, oh, crap. I needed some good shoes. Yeah. And I don't want to fall because right. falling is not fun. Nope. Nope. <laughs> and it's the end for some for some people when you it fall. It is the you, end. It's, yeah, no, it's not good. All the bad things that happen. Yeah. No, so, so, mm-hmm. the, so walking is a great way, I think, for people who haven't been exercising for yeah. a long time. I remember when I was in uh, nurse practitioner school, one of our professors actually said that we should write a prescription to people walk 20 minutes a day mm. or walk to the end of your road and back, you know, actually give people specific, specific guidelines. Yeah. Some people don't know how much is enough. Yeah. And that's why I think it is important to say, okay, so then if I'm going to spend 150 minutes a week mm-hmm. and I'm going to do some cardio and mm-hmm. some strengthening, how mm-hmm. would I percentage that out? Right. Um, so the 150 minutes is mostly towards cardio. Okay. That's the cardiovascular okay, component. Perfect. And then the strength is kind of an addition. Okay, perfect. Um, and so how you portion that out, um, you could think in terms of four days a week of cardio, half an hour, and then sprinkle in two days of strength. You can do them on the same day. Yes. You can do them on alternating days. The strength work doesn't have to involve 
a barbell or kettlebells or straps. It can, it's great, but really any strength work involves external load. So if you are using your body weight as your load or something in addition to that. So you can create load by getting off your feet, um, getting down on the ground. Um, I mean, classic push-up, you could do assisted pull-ups. Planks. Um, planks, squats, lunges. All of that is is using your own body weight as your load, and you can add load to that. I mean, during the pandemic, we are... We've talked to a lot of people who can't get equipment. They're trying to create their home gym. Sure. And there's so many substitutes. Get a gallon of water, get a gallon jug, fill it with water, you know, wrap it up with with um, with rubber bands to seal up the top. Um, use cans. Yes. Fun fact. Wine bottles. Wine bottles, yeah. Full ones. Full ones. <laughs> not, after you've had half, not after you've had half That's year. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so th- both are equal, equally important. One, okay. obviously, for cardiovascular health and all the benefits that come with cardiovascular strength from, you know, lowering your blood pressure to helping control the bad, the bad cholesterol to improving your mood, um, weight loss, better mm-hmm. sleep. Um, and then the strength element, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is bone density. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. For women, that's so important. For women, yep. With or without um, hormones, I think we have to consider bone density. Yep. So when you have the strengthening, um, again, you're going to have uh, increased, uh, I also think of you have better metabolism. Yep. Because you're building lean muscle that's and right. you're going to burn more calories, yep. right? Muscle, so yep. Muscle requires but many more calories. I always tell people, if you're sitting here and I'm sitting side by side and we're both height, same height and weight... Mm-hmm. If I have more muscle mass than you, my metabolism is higher than yours. Yep. Everybody wants a faster metabolism. Totally, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's 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 tricky because muscle is denser. Mm-hmm. So people who have more, their body composition is leaner and they have more muscle to fat ratio. Their right. It's higher. They look smaller because they're more dense and compact. Mm-hmm. And right. so like something like seven times, the, the, um, like one pound of fat is like seven times as big as one pound of muscle. I don't know if that's true. It, but it's, yeah, probably. I right. wish I knew the answer, but I can picture it. And yeah. there's a, there's a big difference between the Huge. two. Yeah. Well, you can even see, like, I'm sure you've noticed this, like you were saying before, as a woman who's been active, if I haven't been as active, I may weigh the same, but mm-hmm. my clothes fit, don't fit as well because mm-hmm. I'm not as muscular. Right. So my, I'm fatter, you yeah. know, I'm, yeah. but I'm not, I'm weigh the same. And yeah. you kind of get away with that for a while, then it's like, not so much. Yeah. No, <laughs> not so much. And you know, I mean, coming from somebody who's always had muscle, I don't feel good when I'm weaker. No, I don't either. I have like a kind of an expectation of I should be able to lift this and I should be able yeah. to push this and pull this. And, and you know, if nothing else, I should be able to get myself up off the ground or off the chair by my own strength. That's a really good point. Because so many people, you think about it, you know, you watch them, they won't sit on the ground because they can't get up. Yeah. And you think about that lack of strength. I mean, maybe like 90, I, I, I'll, I'll allow right. myself that. But before right. that, I'm thinking, no, I'm no. get up. <laughs> uh, it's funny because I just had family visiting and um, I'm always on the ground. I sit on the ground all the time and I fidget a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I get, if anything, I'm more uncomfortable sitting. I feel tighter and I just feel, I mean, it's it's not so much a movement thing. It's just uncomfortable. Right. I'm the and same it, way. Yeah. I mean, I think w- what I understand is if you are sedentary, you tend to be adaptive towards that one fixed position. Mm-hmm. But when you're used to moving, it feels like a struggle to stay in one place. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about kids... <laughs> I agree. And I'm very fidgety too, yeah. even like sitting here now in the mm-hmm. studio. I know. I tend to, like, I'll go to a, like a, a book club or something. I'll be the one on the floor though. Oh, here's a seat. I'm like, no, floor's good. Yeah. I like being able to spread out yeah, totally. with my body. And yeah. I know. And your body is conforming to different positions because you tend to swing your feet this way and that way and oh, it's good. sit crisscross. And so you're moving your, your, your major joints. There's a lot of information out. It's kind of, um, what's the word? Um, exaggerated, but the phrase is out there that sitting is the new smoking. Um, oh, I've heard this. Yeah. And think about, like, I don't know about you, but as mm-hmm. a kid um, or as an adult learner being in a classroom, I had a really hard time staying in my seat. Yep. Oh, my God. We yep. like an hour of sitting the same way. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I, I'd sit, <laughs> I'd actually look at people and go, how do you not move your legs for yeah. an hour? I, right, right. I so did. it's funny you say that because um, there's in there's a school in California that this this couple um, worked with the administrators and they have zero, they have all standing desks in the school. Mm-hmm. And then even with the standing desks, they call them fidget bars. There's a bar under the standing <laughs> desk where the kids can push. It's like a little swinging bar. Perfect. And they can pump their leg. And they have actually tested better. Um, they're more focused in class because they have an outlet. 
Right. Well, and don't you think that, I mean, I know for myself, and I, I've talked about this with other people, I'm definitely a kinetic learner, and mm-hmm. you are too. Some people learn mm-hmm. by movement, yep. and other people learn by watching or listening. Or, yep. You know, there's all yep. kinds of learning. Yep, yep, I agree. So so let's talk about, yep. so what, what does an optimal, like, let's say for a week, mm-hmm. a, a week of, um, you, you're going to tell me, uh, yep. I'm, just, I'm a new client of yours, okay. I haven't been working out for years, okay. give me my program for the week. Okay, so I would probably... I would probably not go jump right into those guidelines. Right. 150 minutes, two days of strength. That's just a lot. That's that's zero to – I just gave you seven things on your checklist. Mm-hmm. Um, so no pun intended, I would say baby steps. I think it's really important that you feel proud of what you've done and rewards. And I joke all the time in class of – Count the reps you did, not the ones you didn't. Um, so it just has to all go in the plus column. So if I were starting out, I would say, first I'd ask a lot about what you enjoy. And then mm-hmm. we'd probably look, if it was at a gym setting, I would look at the schedule. I'd go through the group fitness classes. I'd determine, do you like to train in groups or are you mm-hmm. solitary? I think groups is where it's at. I think most of us are social social creatures. We get to see people of all different um, abilities. We can relate to all different people in the room. And I think there's just a synergistic energy in I a group totally setting. I totally agree with that. And there's so much that um, there's so much um, reward that comes in comes with working in a group. Group fitness classes can look really intimidating. I'm going to get to your question. I promise. No, no, <laughs> I, I, no. I, love, I'm, I'm I was loving, like, I'm going I'm in circles so much, here. I have so many thoughts <laughs> as you're talking about this. It's great. Yeah. So, well, I think I think that threshold in a group fitness can be really intimidating because, of course. From the outside looking in, it seems like everybody knows what they're doing. Oh, my God. Zumba classes for sure. Totally. <laughs> yep. And your eye always goes to the one who does it so well. I know. So like, you just no think way. that everyone's better than you and that you're not meant to be there. Um, but what I've found in, uh, what, 30 years now of teaching, that people love to embrace new people. Mm-hmm. It's like... It's like if you find a really great restaurant, you want to tell all your best friends about it. When you love your group fitness class, you want to share it. Mm -hmm. And so when new people come in, as much as I try to be hospitable, usually there's a bunch of regulars who will beat me to it and they'll get them set up with their weights or they'll tell them where to stand. They really look after them. So I, obviously, because I teach group fitness, that's where I think it's where it's at for, especially for for the new participant. And then I would say, so let's say we found a couple classes that they love. And if they're not sure, I would have them dabble. And I would say full on, you, Zumba, for example, stand in the back. You've got lots of people in front of you to watch. You won't feel conspicuous. Um, make sure you can stand where you can see yourself in the mirror if that's helpful. Mm-hmm. And then I would say 100%, go for as long as you feel comfortable. When you start feeling uncomfortable, if you want to leave, you can leave. Mm-hmm. If it's five minutes, if it's 15 minutes, stay for the warm-up, get a feel for it. Come back and try a little bit longer. I, I just think that if you thrust yourself full on, I mean – Think of anything you don't like. It's like, say you don't like broccoli. No one's going to make you eat a platter full of broccoli. Right, just a taste. Just a taste. Keep trying. So I'd probably take baby steps, and I'd also encourage them to try different formats. I'd make sure that if we're talking about group fitness, that they try ones that have more of a cardiovascular emphasis mm-hmm. and those that have a strength emphasis. Right. And if it has to do with strength, I would, again, start small. Smaller, choose lighter weights than you even think you should so that you can feel successful. And then you will probably crave going back and seeing, well, if the if the fives were light, I wonder how the eights are going to feel. Maybe, yeah. you know, and, and impress yourself. Um, ultimately, over the course of maybe two or three weeks, I would probably find, or they would probably find that they found what they liked, and they, I think they could commit to two to three days a week, and I think that's a great starting point. Oh, yeah. Three classes a week would be amazing, yeah. because you, all this class is going to be more than half an hour. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah. 100%. Yeah, I know. I was thinking when you were talking about the uh, group fitness thing, I was, like I said before, I wasn't mm-hmm. a big group fitness person, but I have found, I made some really good friends, you know, Molly, yep. and, and mm-hmm. became lifelong friends from these classes, and um, during the pandemic, I had joined a, I moved downtown, so I wasn't able to come to club. I a club anymore, I which was so sad because what a great club. Um, but I um, joined a Pilates studio by me, mm-hmm. and I was loving the Pilates classes. And then everything went online. Mm-hmm. And at first, the first month or two, I was doing the online classes. But I decided I made a decision. I can't. I just I don't love it. I yeah. don't love it. I can yeah. do a yoga class occasionally online. Yep. My son keeps telling me to get a Peloton that I love it. I said, I would love it if I was cooped up and it was winter time and I had nothing else I could yeah. do. And I really had no choices. But for myself... I'm a social person. Yep. I do like to get in those groups. And I think for people who are intimidated, it is scary if you feel very overweight, you don't feel attractive, you feel like right. you're the only one that may be obese. Right. I think it must be incredibly intimidating for those people. For sure. And, and you know, we're, we're such 
We're such vain creatures yes. that we all think that everyone's looking at us. I know. But we're all looking at ourselves. It's so true, Charlie. <laughs> Trust me, no one notices if you miss the chasse. They are still worried about if you saw that they missed it, you know? Exactly. And yeah. you, exactly. So people are so focused on themselves. I was yeah. talking to somebody yesterday about um, the, the, the group Orange Theory, and yeah. I guess they sort of tell you what you're supposed to do in the class, but half the time people are not doing the same thing at the same time, mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting concept as well. Right, right. They have they have like three different stations yeah. that they're working in. Yep, yep. So, um, and it's, I think the biggest thing about group fitness that, uh, not the biggest, but one of the many things that I love about it is that, you know, we're all kind of in it for the same reason. We're there mm-hmm. because we love the social aspect. Usually there's music involved, so there's some kind of component that we love about music. We like to move. So we, if we're all kind of there for the same pleasures and obviously for the same physical you know, and emotional mm-hmm. goals of getting stronger and fitter and feeling you know, better about ourselves and having greater you know, self-esteem or what have you – it's great to be in the same place with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And it takes a little while to flip that script if you are overweight or if you're a beginner um, because your voice in your head is always telling you all the negative stuff. It's so true. And there is a little bit of coaching involved there, whereas instructors, we will often spend more of our time reminding you of what you're doing well with a little bit of tweaking of how you can improve. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as adults, we don't like to learn things. We don't like to feel embarrassed. We don't like to do things new. We tell our kids to do it. But often we really, we favor comfort and routine and familiarity and, you know, feeling really competent. But going back to the whole aging thing, um, learning a new skill has been shown to help increase our longevity and keep us oh. sharp and keep us bright, you know? Well, you know, there was a study in the New York Times, an article published mm-hmm. about two or three years ago in the New York Times that said that people who play tennis live an average of nine years longer. And it was because of social, mm-hmm. competitiveness, mm-hmm. obviously fitness. Mm-hmm. But think about that. I mean, you are really, and like you were saying, I learned tennis later in life. Mm-hmm. What's been really fun for me, and I'm also now picking up golf. I know you're a golfer, so we have to golf. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, what I love about it is that it's, as we get older, we don't see ourselves getting better at things. You know, right. As a kid, you're constantly getting told, oh, good job, honey. Good At yeah. work, how often are you told good job? Right. Not People don't come and say, amazing job, Kyle, you did today. Uh, right. Not so much. Right. No. I mean, but <laughs> maybe, maybe I might hear it occasionally, which yeah. is wonderful. But Or at home, like, wow, that's the best meal you've ever made. So, But you have these um, objective things that you can measure, and you mm-hmm. see yourself getting better. You have a coach that's telling you you're getting better, whatever. Mm-hmm. People, It's just such a wonderful reward that yeah. we don't get. Maybe musicians get it, maybe artists get it, but yeah. if you're not doing that kind of craft, I don't think we get it. I, I agree, and I, I mean, I think you and I think you can teach an old dog new tricks. Absolutely, you just have to have a willingness to it. I I feel like so I, I think I might have told you many times the story. I'm adult piano student. I'm oh, fun on year five. It's the most humbling thing ever because. My teacher also has a fourth grader who probably started three years after me and has already passed me. <laughs> and she always she's so sweet because she says things like, well, how many kids does she have? How many jobs does she have? You know, because I'm really hard on myself. But I think that it's been really humbling, but it, it's it's put me in that position of that new exerciser, that person who's trying a new sport. And if I could, like to to all of the people who are listening, I I would tell them that it's been probably one of the most rewarding events in my adult life is to learn to play piano and to try something new. And I, when it comes to fitness, I'll try anything because I've been down that path enough times that mm-hmm. I'm good at learning new fitness. But with piano, I'm not good at learning So is there some things. fear? And there's some embarrassment? Fear, embarrassment. Humility. All of the above. All right. of the above. And it's funny. We talk a lot. It's almost like therapy. We talk a lot about similar things that I say to new exercisers. She says things to me like, you know, what is your expectation? I'm, well, my expectation is to have fun and maybe learn a little piano. She's like, well, give yourself a break. And so there might be a day where I didn't practice or a lesson where I hadn't practiced since the last time I saw her. She takes it way back to one. And she's like, well, let's do something that you know you're good at. Let's play something, build your confidence up. Sometimes she has me just pound my fingers on the piano keys just to be like, okay, this is my piano. You're at, you're in my you're in my place. There's um, a keyboard right there. We can listen to you. Oh, God. I'm going to start sweating. <laughs> Just at the thought of it. Um, but yeah, so for, you know, I think when you're new to a fitness class, if you're taking a step class and we do all these complicated foot patterns. Oh, 
I go crazy. I mean, I'm yeah. one of those people who, in a fitness class, I'm really good at like certain things, but I'm really not good at like a Zumba class. If they do the choreography and then they're facing me, yes, I need somebody to be. Behind, I need to be mirroring somebody behind yeah. me, and it's like so or shadowing people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this and it makes you feel embarrassed. But again, like you said. Go back to basics. So Zumba right. wasn't for me on that given day. Yeah, yeah. So or step aerobics. There's certain yeah. things I don't love, and I just say to myself, Kyle, it's okay. I don't need to love everything. No, I need to just find not at all. what I love. Yeah, because that's going to bring me back. Otherwise, I'm going to go home, and I'm never going to go back to that gym. That's right. Yep. And that's so, right. And I think there's also that performance anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was going to say also one thing. Also, I love about group fitness is that it does push you harder than you'd push yourself. Unless you're a high level athlete that pushes themselves. When you're in a class. And you're there for the whole hour. You, I might give up at half an hour at home. Right. But, but the instructor's so motivated. And nobody would know. And nobody would know. Right. And, yeah. and, but if I'm going to leave the yeah. class, everybody's going to be like, where'd she go? Yeah. What happened yeah. to her? Yes. Or just the, uh, the motivations there, plus the correction. Yeah. If I'm doing something like in yoga or Pilates, if I'm doing it wrong, it's not going to be beneficial for me. Right. And yep. so it's nice to have that kind of correction. Agreed. There. Yeah. You've got someone, so you've got people to keep you accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I can tell you, I work way harder in a group setting than by myself. Oh, yeah, me too. I mean, oh, if totally. I had equipment at home, if I had a treadmill, if I said I want to run for half an hour at 24 minutes, like, yeah, half an hour-ish. I'm good. Nobody knows. I'm good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, how, what, so I was going to ask you this question, yeah. but it sounds like we've already answered it. Hmm. Working out with a buddy versus working out alone. Obviously, working out with a buddy or an exercise yeah. group is really important. Um, how do you say to somebody, how do you measure your progress? Mm. Like you started out in this program now. Yep. And are you are you looking at um, at your... Your weight, mm-hmm. inches, are you looking mm-hmm. at? What are you looking at? What is yeah. somebody, what, when somebody's working with you? Yeah. Okay, so first of all, if if they came in with certain goals, if they were aesthetic goals, if it was weight, if it was looking a certain way in their clothes, or if it's to gain strength, I'd probably try to... I'd probably try to measure based on what they came to achieve. Okay. Right? So if you came to lose weight, I'd probably... If that's a priority for you, I'd probably talk about that in our conversation. I feel like as a good listener, I need to address that, even though we know that's not really where it's at. Right. Um, like you said, like they could have gained some muscle and lost some fat and actually been heavier. Um, but I think where it really shows up is in is in your lifestyle and the rest of your activities. It's things like um, it's it would be little things like noticing that you can run a flight of stairs with your grocery bags and not be winded. Mm-hmm. It might be things like you're sleeping better. It might be things that you're finding you're craving healthier foods because your body craves those nutrients and you're not kind of slogging along. Um, it might be something where you find that you can, let's say, let's say tennis is your is your fitness activity, but you went to the gym to try to build up some strength. Maybe you're finding that that you're winning more matches or your hit is a little bit harder or mm-hmm. you're not as fatigued afterwards. Right. I, I think that I think it for me, I feel like it would be more rewarding for them to see where it shows up throughout different places in their life, and also what they said they wanted. Yeah. It's interesting. That's how I also measure how my patients do hormonally. Oh, yeah. They come in with certain, like, I feel fat, I feel tired, I feel this, I feel that. Yeah. And then when they come back and they start telling me all the quality of their life that's improved in other ways, yeah. that's the ticket yeah. right there. It's like you've done all these changes. It's not going to be just one or two things that get better. It's going to be a synergistic functionality yeah. thing. Don't you yeah. think the fu- their whole functioning is going to change? Yes. Sleep's better. They wake up in the morning with more energy. Yep. Their mood's going to be better. Their yes. confidence might be better. Yep. Don't you find that exercise has so many benefits? Totally. And and it's the nice thing is, is there's data to defend it. I know. Right? So right. mood enhancement and, you know, you could go to so far as to say better spouse, better parent, better friend, better listener, more patience. Um, more focused at work, more productive at work. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is all stuff Better that's posture, been measured. Mm-hmm. Less, less, uh, less injuries in the long term, like less back problems. Yeah, we just sat up taller. <laughs> we, we both sat, well, I was talking to a friend last night. We were doing a Zoom happy hour with some friends who live yeah. in Bend, and she was saying how her back has been really bad for a really long time. She's a really fit person. She's been mm-hmm. kayaking. She's been walking. But um, her husband said to her, why don't you spend the money that we would have been traveling on some private Pilates? She said she's been doing private Pilates lessons now for a few months. She said all of her back pain is gone, completely gone. I believe it. She's gone to chiropractor Mm -hmm. too. That's full disclosure here. Mm -hmm. But but she said absolutely now she has no back pain where she was had actual x-ray changes on her spine and uh, and everything so yeah. it's like so ex- exercise can get rid of people taking um you know opioids yep. and all these like muscle relaxers yeah, and ibuprofen. diabetic medicine blood pressure medicine yes. mm-hmm. yeah, I, all these things that are kind of yeah 
prolonging this state of not such great health. The other shout out is for people who are pre-diabetic, you know, mm-hmm. getting your weight in optimal range, building yep. muscle mass, your blood sugar is going to be more stable. Yes. So many things. Yeah. Yeah. And Huge I think, difference. and I think like you said too, mental health. I mean, people, I know my sister had very severe depression and I remember trying to get her to exercise and she didn't feel like it because she was depressed. And yeah. so the more, you know, the it's more you can get people to get into an exercise routine mm-hmm. to help with their mood mm-hmm. disorder, mm-hmm. it's so important. For sure. And there's a lot of there's a lot of emphasis being placed on mindfulness in fitness now. Mm-hmm. So instead of thinking about like all these external things that you're going for, this this feedback you get from the mirror, which really, you know, how often are you spending time looking in the mirror? It's most more about how you feel than how you look truly. So true. And so if you can if you're mindful about what you're doing, and even it sounds silly, but if you're if you're the voice in your head is saying things like, I feel good doing this, I feel strong doing this, this is fun. And I'm so glad to have this sort of escape ex- experience mm-hmm. from work, family, other stressors. It's your time. It's your time. And so kind of it, you could almost say that you're kind of writing your gratitude journal while you're in that positive oh, space awesome. and kind of paying attention to all the good that's happening. Um, I swear, like if you could give yourself a scale of, you know, one to five happiness scale before you work out, one to five happiness scale after you work out, I think everybody's number would go up. Oh, I I love that about yoga because a lot of times in classes like a yoga class, particularly Mm -hmm. when you're sitting there, you start out with an intention for your practice and you have to keep coming back to that. At the end of an hour, you've worked your body, you've worked your mind, you've worked your soul, and you have this sort of peace that you just achieve a goal or you just stay centered. Yes. Yeah. It's such a nice place. And it's all about you. It gets like, yes, you're in a group setting and yes, you're having a shared experience, but for women especially to say, you know, ain't nothing's going to happen in this hour that's going to get in my way. Mm-mm. All the stuff that's waiting for me is on the outside. As my friend Kat, she's one of the instructors, she always yeah, says, yeah. leave your baggage at the door. It's going to wait for you on the other side. But this is, you know, it's me time. It's time to focus on yourself. And to be able to know that that what you're doing in there is actually going to help. Somebody said once that one hour makes the other 23 so much better. Oh, It's gosh. just, and you're allowed to be selfish in that respect because it's going to make you better at work, better as a friend, you know. Um, yeah. When people ask me, how do you fit it all in? I always, this is my mantra. I always say to people, everybody gets 24 hours in a day. Nobody gets more. Yep. Nobody gets less. Yep. So when you realize that, I yep. mean, you really can say to yourself, this is a priority for me. Exercise is a priority, and it's I need to prioritize myself. That's it. Because, like you were saying, you're a better mother, a better wife, a better coworker, a better everything when you are feeling good about yourself. And That's if, right. And when you're healthy. That's right. And and what you said about the 24 hours, there was a there's a pretty robust study that was done that showed that people who work out through a regular exercises, whether it's yoga, Pilates, bar, you know, Zumba, mm-hmm. weightlifting. Um, they don't live any closer to gyms, and they don't. They don't. What's the other? What was the other one? Live any closer, and they don't have more time. They don't have more time. Well, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah they don't yeah. have more time. Um, but there's all these different barriers that we claim that we have, mm-hmm. um, and they are more productive at work. The same study showed that they were more product. They are more more productive at work. So that's what it was. Is they don't they don't spend more time at work or less time at work. They right. work the same hours as everybody else. Right. Yeah. What do you think of um, things like? The CrossFits and mm-hmm. all those, like the gyms now, all these programs, and there's so much out there for people. I mean, there's so many different types of, of exercising and working out. There are. What do you think of the high intensity for women, especially as we get older? Yes. So, so high intensity, truly high intensity training is 70, 80% of your maximum heart rate training. Okay. That is really hard to achieve. Um, and most high-intensity programs are interval-based, meaning there's a period of work and a period of rest. Sure. No one can train at that level of intensity no, for a long no. period of time. Your body uses other, goes to other sources for energy after that, um, and it also can't sustain it. So um, I think they are good if you work your way up to that. There was an article in one of the journals that I, re- that I get that compared medium-intensity interval training with high-intensity interval training. Okay. And the benefits were not that remarkable. So going that much harder, incrementally that much harder, weren't that great. Yes. Do people love to push themselves to the limit? Mm -hmm. For sure. If that's something that you crave and if that's something that you enjoy, go for it. Most people who are going for it have the the infrastructure to sustain it. Okay. 
I don't think it's all that, to be honest with you. I think the risk for most people doesn't outweigh the reward. And I think that truly most people, if you do a, a HIT class, a high-intensity interval training class, most people are not training at the level that they think that they are. Yeah. Most people are actually doing medium-intensity or moderate-intensity interval training, which is still great. It's still beneficial. Sure. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever knock it. Um, are there more risks involved? For sure. And I think when it, when it comes to CrossFit, so CrossFit's gone through a bit of a journey. And where they are now is there's there are better coaching models, there are better coaches, there's better training out there. So most boxes, as they call them, I don't want to say most, but it's it's a it's got a better reputation, let's good, say. Good. Um, and um, the, the only issue with CrossFit is if you're a person who is always pushing yourself harder and harder and harder, you will feel very competitive and you might push yourself too hard yes. in a CrossFit environment. But um, And then there's a whole host of issues that are pretty severe and even life-threatening for people who overtrain at too high of an intensity lifting in CrossFit. But for the most part, I think they are reputable. And I think that good coaches um, at most of those CrossFit boxes are watching you and meeting you at a level where you're at. Um, CrossFit was intended to be cross-functional cross-fitness. Mm -hmm. So it's not just um, flipping tractor tires or doing kip-ups like people think. Well, well yes, I was seeing this, some of the classes at yeah. the club and thinking, I am not going to go out there and lift up those chains and yeah. jump over tires. I'll kill myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's the thing, too, is there's a fear factor involved like you talked sure. about. And, you know, exercise is a stress. I mean, yes. it, it does raise those stress hormones mm -hmm. in a good way. Yeah. But too much of a good thing can be bad where you are constantly in that state of stress. I mean, you know that stuff. Absolutely. So what mm -hmm. about women who do exercise too much? Mm -hmm. You see that? I mean, you see you people do. with body dysmorphia yep. they, or they work out every day and they're high, 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 high. Yep. How do you, what do you say to them and how do you help bring that back? Right. Oftentimes they're, you know, the story comes up where they're saying, I'm doing all of this and I'm not, still not getting the results that I wanted. Exactly. They are literally overtraining. And right. so to, to kind of piggyback off of what we just talked about is they are in a state of stress all the time. Right. So those hormones, those stress hormones are up, which will prevent them from some of their fitness goals. Um, you know, I, I know that cortisol spikes, and so that can throw you way off where you... Oh, you get your belly fat. Yep. Um, the other thing that happens is they are, you know, it, it, when they're training that hard, they're, they're very likely dehydrated. Mm -hmm. And so they can't, they don't, they don't flush out fat as easily. Um, I read an article probably 20 years ago, and it had probably like 100 different signs of dehydration from blurred vision to, to foggy memory to dry skin to, you know, and then, the, you know, the other fatigue. obvious things, the fatigue. Yep. And so hunger, hunger. Yep. Poor sleep. Mm -hmm. So if you are overtraining and your cortisol levels are spiking and you're likely dehydrated and you're not sleeping well, then your body's not actually restoring itself and healing itself. Mm -mm. So, I mean, you're stressing. Your they're body. coming to you. <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 you're doing the exact opposite. Well, right. that's why you do need rest periods. Like, yes. And they say you shouldn't do the same strength training. I think every day in a row, you're supposed right. to give yourself 48 hours in between. Let your muscles yep. restore. Right. Yeah. 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 So, in that mode, then, how about women who come in? Now we all talk about this, and this is the thing with WTF. We've talked about yeah. for, year, for a long time now. Belly fat. Yeah. What's some of the best ways, other than diet, obviously, and, mm -hmm. and obviously cardio and full body exercise, yep. to get rid of some of that belly fat, the back fat, yep. the you know the muffin top? Right. Are the spot exercises really working mm -hmm. or what? Spot training doesn't really work for reducing fat because you tend to store fat where you store fat. Right. I gain weight in certain areas. Me too. And I lose weight quickly in certain areas. Exactly. But what you can do is build a muscle that's underlying that surface adipose tissue so that oh. your waist can be smaller, that maybe the fat's still there. If nothing else were to change, but you added strength to it, you have more muscle. And when you, you know, if you think in terms of, of, of a ballerina, you know, she's got those strong corset muscles or he's got that strong, those strong corset muscles. The fat could still be overlying it, but the appearance is their waist is drawn in mm -hmm. just like the shape of your legs. Like people who have shapely muscular legs, they have peaks in their quadricep and they have a peak in their calf. So they have a shapelier leg. They may still have body fat, but the shape is different. Mm -hmm. 
if your if your core is strong, obviously, like with your friend's story, you know, if your if your postural muscles are strong and your core is strong, your vertebrae are going to line up the way that they should, and your discs are you know stacked nicely, or your vertebrae mm-hmm. stacked nicely with the discs, and there's no compression, and so their posture is improved. And all you have to do is slouch and then stand up tall and see how you do mm-hmm. appear thinner oh, yeah. and leaner when you've got well, great posture. Well, when you stand in front of the gym and you, when they say tuck your butt in, yep. put your shoulders back, yep. it's like, oh, there's five pounds right there. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, 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 yeah. So c- can you spot target for, tr- for strength and, and um, better muscular tone? Yes. Can you spot reduce fat? Not, Not so really. Much. So Not you're so really much. saying that you're strengthening the area reduces, makes the leaner muscle yeah. and then makes a reduction right. of that. And then as you build more muscle, yeah. burn more calories, your metabolism goes up, you're burning fat. So it, the fat will come off, but you, I will always store my extra pounds in the same places. Oh, yes, me too. Right. But 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 adding the strength will change the shape and also change your, your composition. This is um, sort of a segue off of exercise, but what do you think about women who have actually had like liposuction mm-hmm. or that cold was it the cold, cold treatment therapy, something yeah. yeah do you think it really works i do mean you, have you seen people who have had it done i have and then i haven't really dove into it too far but i have had conversations with a couple of people who say well i lost it here but i gained it there Ooh. and <laughs> you know the theory that your body has you know this sort of set amount of memory of memory yeah um or that or is it that or is it perception like if you if you had liposuction done on your waist and your thighs are bigger, is it just relative to the fact that your waist is smaller? I don't know. I don't either. I, I always wonder about that because, I mean, you hear these uh, claims, and I'm sure you hear them all the oh, time, yeah. you know, these different companies that yeah. say, come in and we'll get rid of this. And But then I see people and a couple of years later, it's back. Yeah. Like you said, if you don't change your habits, yeah, I don't know if it can really go away. Right. And then, uh, you know, from a more, I don't know, um, from a different approach is like, are you happier? Are you really happier? I know. Isn't that the truth? I mean, I think that's the thing we talked about in a couple of our weight, uh, weighty issue uh, podcasts is mm-hmm. that, you know, we have such an extreme, we have such extreme examples in the media of what we're supposed to look like. Yeah. I do love the fact that it's changing. I've noticed a lot of companies now are using fuller figured women mm-hmm. as their examples. Like mm-hmm. Athleta is amazing. Oh, aren't they? Yeah. Notice this. Love them. These strong women that are full figured. Mm-hmm. I mean, look back to the Renaissance. Look at all the photo, all the paintings of women were Rubenesque. Right. Know, they had. Right. They were voluptuous. Right. And suddenly we're, we're looking like Twiggy. You know, yeah. in, the, in the in the 20th century. It's like, how do we get there? Yeah. And My so, husband would be like, 10 more pounds should be a nicer girl. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's true. I mean, yeah. it's so hard to be to maintain your perfect weight. It's so yeah. hard to have that perfect body. It takes a lot of work and yep. a lot of energy psychically and mentally yeah. and a lot emotionally, of money, a lot, a lot of, of money. Time. And it's like you could be sitting there reading a book and enjoying your friends and going yeah. for a walk. I mean, I think that's the thing we have to be kinder to ourselves yeah. as women. I agree. And I, you know, one of the one of the things this isn't a very nice comment to make, but sometimes you'll see this this person who's just aesthetically just ideal or right. whatever is yes. supposed to be the ideal. And the first thing I think is, is that person spends a lot of time in the gym. Yeah. Too and what, much. what what are they missing out on? Because they are pretty rigid with that you know, with that with their time. I, I agree. I had a friend years ago. Had a, a friend who was Italian. A man said to her one time, "You, you, you American woman, you spend too much time. Have an extra glass of wine. Have that piece of chocolate. Be happy." You know, it's like, like it, it's so. At the end of the day, I think we have to remember what's our life about. Yeah, it's about balance. Yeah, and it's about you know, it's about longevity and the whole wellness span and all those yep. things that we talk about here. But it's also about having happiness in your life every day and not being obsessed. Yeah. With how you look, it's so much more important how you feel, don't you yeah. think, and how you make other people feel. Oh, for sure. I mean, I can tell you that when I was anorexic, I was I, and I was still doing gymnastics, so I was probably aesthetically the bomb. You know, I was oh. strong. I was looked amazing. very petite, and it was the most unhappy I'd ever been. Yeah, and I look at gymnasts, and I think they are the role model. I mean, you look at, I mean, Simone Biles, mm-hmm. or, or uh, was it Mary Lou Retton mm-hmm. back in the day? Look at her now. She's a, a bigger girl. Mm-hmm. You stopped doing gymnastics, and it doesn't happen to you, yeah, but yeah. many women just, they blow up because their bodies have been 
even yes. though they've been stunted. Yeah. And then when they stop doing it, their body reverts back to what it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's such an extreme lifestyle. It's amazing to it watch. Is. It is. But to maintain that level of fitness yeah. requires such and a And it level. draws a certain type of person. You know, the, the oh, yeah. striving for perfection, whereas like, you know, other sports, it's just about being getting faster, but it's not about how you look and all oh of the God. body dysmorphia of how you look. It's in crazy. Very little clothing. So I think I'm mm. pretty, I, I think I've asked most of my questions. Is there anything else that you want to add to this topic of exercise and women and as we age and... Anything else you can think of you that know, we haven't mentioned? I, I, probably not something new, but I just want to reiterate the fact that that you know, like so many things in life, if you if you do what brings you joy, you're more likely to repeat it. Mm-hmm. And if you feel yourself feeling those pressures, because we, you know, I didn't grow up with social media. And I I I find that especially so I'm looking at a lens like I follow and I'm followed by a lot of people in the fitness industry. And I see a lot of vanity still. And I, I make a point to to not post things that have to do with how I look, but more about how I feel or mm-hmm. what we accomplished or what, you know, the joyful moments in it. And I think that, you know, back to the women feeling a lot of pressure, um, you know, used to be you could just put a magazine down if you didn't want to look at something or you didn't, you know, subscribe to the magazine. Now the information is coming at you whether you like it or not. It's so true. Your friend is going to hold that camera up at just that right angle on a day where they are at their leanest oh. and lost just enough water weight so that you can see just the ripples in their abdominals and they're going to act like it just, oh, by the way, I just want to share this picture of these new shoes. And I just think that we perpetuate that a little bit. And I think if we were to celebrate the things like Oprah says, you know, praise praise little girls for what they can control. Yeah, no, and so, so I'd rather I'd rather praise you for accomplishing a great run or having a great fun time in a class or trying something new than fitting into some skinny jeans. I am feeling closer to you. Amen. And I think Shirley, you know, getting and closing today, mm-hmm. I want to thank you so much for spending this time with us today, with me in the, in the studio. And of course, I want to give a shout out to Candice at home, and, and we'll get her back in the studio. And perhaps we'll, there may be some more things we want to talk about with you because this topic goes on forever. But I think the most important thing is that women need to know that's important to move their bodies, move their bodies with joy, mm-hmm. find what makes them come back to, to that feeling, and just get out there and do it. You know, I agree. Just every day, find something. Put it into your into your lifestyle. Yep, it's it's what it's what we're about. Yeah, movement. And yeah, if you miss a day, or if you got five minutes and you intended yeah. to do thirty minutes, then count the five. Forget the twenty-five. Life is long. Yeah, you know if you exactly, and I and I do hear that a lot from people. Oh, I haven't worked out for, for weeks. I'm like, wow, doesn't matter. Get back. <laughs> Go right back on the uh, get yep. right back on the treadmill. Get right back on the, the gym. The class. Nobody nobody's going to judge you. This is not about a judgment thing. I agree. Life is not a contest. I agree. And uh, uh, one more point that you made is I think is also important is is share your story with your friends yeah. because there's no question that someone's else, someone else has been there too and they can totally relate. And you'll feel better about yourself. Like, oh, you went through that too? And, you yeah. know, they'll, they'll give you tricks to get back, you know, back into whatever routine you want. But And I wanted to yeah. thank you too for sharing your story about your hormones because mm-hmm. I wanted to say we always like to, to, to sort of end our uh, podcast with one of our essentials and it's almost hard to find one today. But I thought when you were saying... You know, when you came in to see me for hormone therapy, it, it wasn't just symptom relief. It's also about one of our essentials. It's also about optimal health, disease prevention, and longevity. And exercise fits that ticket perfectly. Right so on. in closing, thank you. Get out there. Move your bodies and, and have yes. joy every day. Thanks for talking. This All was right. so fun. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, here we are at the end of this WTF Woman Talking Frankly podcast episode. In signing off, we want you to remember that what you are feeling is not all in your head. And that you have so many options to choose from to get you back to balanced living. Until next time, be well. And remember, if you want a great life, you need to ask great questions. Be courageous. Ask for what you need. With love, Kyle and Candace. Our website is womentalkingfrankly.com, where you can find all of our episodes, check out the show notes for resources, articles, and remedies, and where you can also feel free to email us with any questions, a hormone story, anything you'd like us to share with our listeners. 
Women Talking Frankly, WTF, is produced by Dan Rigger of Medicine Whistle Studios in his lovely Southeast Portland, Oregon studio. We want to thank our webmaster and dear friend, Deb Hollister of Pure and Simple Graphic Design. We also want to give a shout out to all of our family, friends, and patients for all of their support and encouragement to start this podcast. We are your hosts, Kyle McAvoy and Candace Birch. <laughs>